The topic of this lecture is the Jewish approach to mothering. There's a story told about a woman who went to speak to a rav of Shimshon Farhesh, and she asked the rav when should she start educating her son. The rav answered, how old are you? She said, she's 22. So he said, well, 22 years ago. The message is clear. Education, chinuch, starts with refining our own personalities. Otherwise, we'll be ineffective educators. I heard from my husband that he had heard Rav Elia Lopian tell the following. He was a mashkiach in Yeshivat Kvach Hasidim in his latter years. And he used to give a musashir every week at a certain time. One week, he was out of town, and he arrived back just in time for the shiur. But he wasn't there for the two hours prior to the shiur, which he usually devoted to preparing the shiur. So he did not give the lesson that week. He was asked, but the Rav was there, why didn't he give the lesson? So he explained that he didn't have the preparation time. What did this Big Rob need to prepare a shiur for some 16-year-old, 18-year-old boys that he needed two hours preparation. And the answer was that he didn't have time to internalize the lesson he intended to give. This is chinuch. This is education. Now we know that education begins at home. The Rashi in Sukkah explains, Mashitinok medaber b'shuk what a child speaks in the marketplace, he heard from his father or his mother. As every kindergarten teacher knows this truth as well, that children uh, speak what they learnt at home. The responsibility is awesome. The Rambam, on the mitzvah to take a son on Aliyala Regal, the mitzvah of Aliyala Regal, going up to Yerushalayim three times a year, the Rambam explains that the mitzvah takes place as soon as the child can walk. This is the classic mitzvah of chinuch, of education. And the wording there is, mitzvah al ha'av leheira ois bivno b'yerushalayim. It is a mitzvah on the father to be seen in his son in Yerushalayim. We would have thought it would read, leheira ois im b'noi b'yerushalayim, to be seen with his son. But it doesn't say that. It says, to be seen in his son. In other words, the, 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 the father is seen in the behavior of the son. This is the basis of Chinuch, of Bitoira. This is the basis of the Jewish approach to parenting, that the father, mother is seen in the child. The role model concept. This is the basis. Shinantam Levanecha, we say, one should teach your children how do we teach our children? By talking about it. Let's take a very common example. Yankele uh, breaks a vase. What happens is that mummy walks into a room and finds a vase broken on the floor. So mummy asks, who did it? And Yankele says, I did it. So then mummy proceeds to yell, to shout, to punish Yankele for breaking the vase. What did Yankela learn from this lesson? He learned two things. One, mommy loves material things like vases. Two, much better to lie. Then he wouldn't get into trouble. Had he not owned up, he wouldn't have got into trouble. 
So how could this have been a very positive uh, learning experience? Would be that first and foremost, when Yankala owns up, he says, I did it, that first and foremost, before getting any telling off or being clumsy or for breaking vases, he should have been given a positive uh, encouragement, a reward, punishment, good boy, uh, being commended on his, on his owning up. That's very, I'm very proud of you, Yankala, for owning up. That's number one. The lesson should be learned that you tell the truth that you get a pat on the back for that. A lesson in, in being clumsy or not being clumsy about breaking vases, etc. It wouldn't even have to take place at this time. It could play, take place at another time. This isn't the, the issue. But one has to keep in mind that we are being watched constantly by our children. And it's they really their education is by what they see, not Children do what they see, not what they're told necessarily, but much more so they're influenced and they listen to what they see. Let's take another example. Mommy's tired. The phone rings. So mommy tells Hanela, tell them I'm out. So Hanela comes to the phone and, well, if Hanela's smart, she says, my mommy says to say she's out. But whatever the issue is, Hanela learned to lie. This is just an unnecessary situation. Why not say, tell them I'm not available? There's nothing wrong with that. But why to tell a lie? Because this is simply a lesson in lying that mommy is giving Hanela. Parents are commanded, in Dvorim, to teach their children. And in Shmois, there's a mitzvah of teaching one's child, as we know, the, uh, the, this is the basis of a uh, basic tenant in Yiddishkeit. Children, on the other hand, are commanded to take heed, to be, be fearful, so to speak, to be in awe of their parents, their mother and their father. And ask your father and he'll tell you, uh, your elders and they'll, they'll explain to you. And as well, the famous is one of the Ten Commandments, as we know, to honor one's father and mother. The relationship between parent and child, that parents are commanded to teach their children, the children are commanded to respect and to learn from their parents, this is the most important tenant of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism. Parenting, the fact that father and mother are both commanded to bring up and educate their children, we know that Shema Beni, Musar avicha, listen, my son, to the Musar of your father. Ve'al titoish toiras imecha, and do not leave, forsake the Torah of your mother. This is a basic um, element in the passing on of Yiddishkeit from generation to generation. We know that Torah was given. Torah, Moshe Kibel Torah, yeah, Moshe got Torah and he gave it to the Yoshua and so on and so and so forth. The passing down of Torah from one generation to the next. This is the the, the basic tenet of of of, uh, of, of uh, Yiddishkeit. In order for Torah to be passed from generation to generation, this means that there has to be such a relationship between father and child and child and parent and child and, and child and parent. So when we talk about Tsar Gidul Bonim, about the difficulty of, of so to speak, uh, bringing up children, it's not talking just about the having of children, but the whole bringing up of the educating of children is, is a major challenge. Our approach to this 
major role of parenting, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us this gift of children, and we know it's a gift, it's not something that just happens, HaKadosh Baruch Hu blesses someone with children, he should, he should uh, take this gift and regard this challenge as the challenge of a lifetime, the, the challenge of a person's life. But not only regard it as a challenge, but regard this as a challenge that we should aim at enjoy doing. Because we know that everything we enjoy doing, we're going to do it much better. We'll, we'll put more effort into it. We'll, we'll try harder when we enjoy doing something. So we should aim at enjoying this bringing up of our children. We're going to focus particularly on the mothering aspect of parenting, being that we're talking to mothers. As it says in Brochus, Great is the reward that is given to women, as it says, Mishum, why is the reward so great that is given to women? Mishum she'ikar ol hachinuch al kol pratav mutal aleha. The Reishis Chochma explains the reason for the great reward coming to women is because the the Ikar, the most, the majority of the Ol Hachinuch, of the, of the job in educating the children, Al Kopirtav, with all its details, Mutalalea is on the woman, is on the mother. We know that we say Sfas Aim, as Rashim Shonrafal Hirsch explains, the mother tongue. Why mother tongue? Why not father tongue? Why not in something else tongue? Why mother tongue? Because the, it is the mother who not only speaks to the child and develops his, his, his ability in speech, but it's a development of his emotions and his personality. It's a foundation for his being is what takes place with the learning of a mother tongue, a sfas aim. We know that the Shabbos candles the lighting of the Shabbos candles is one of the mitzvahs that were given to women. You know that when the maloch, malochim escort a husband home on Friday night, a husband comes from shul, he is escorted by two malochim who ask three questions. One of the questions that is asked is, Lake, is the candle burning? And this is referring to the lighting of the Shabbos candles. But and the broader meaning of this, this is talking about light meaning or is light meaning Torah. And the Torah is the education of the children. This is an expression of the educational role of the woman. We know that the Torah was first given to the women. Go and tell the Beis Yaakov, the women, and they will tell the men, V'tageid l'bnei Yisrael. And the, why the women first? Tikdimu b'matan Torah es hanashim. Why were the women first given the Torah before the men? Mipnei shemegad lois habanim la Torah, says Arav Shimshon Rafael Hirsch in his Sodot HaChinuch. Because the, it is the women who bring up the children to Torah. So we see that the important role of the woman is from day one of the birth of the child, right from infancy, the enormous role of the mother. We know it says about Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananiah, Ashrei Yolada Soi, and Yolada Soi, it means fortunate is she who, who brought him into the world. Yolada Soi is the same as Yaldu Soi, his childhood, his, yeah, his early years. The importance of the 
first years of life with the mother are recognized from a Torah perspective as being the, the basic um, making of the, of the person. Education of a person begins from day one. A quote from Alei Shor Ravolber in Mamara Chinuch, an article of education, he says as follows. Education begins from the first day of the child's life. Mamash, mamash from the first day. Because the impressions of whatever's going on around him are taken in by the child very well. And these become these impressions that, that are made on him become even greater from day to day. So the behavior with a baby of even a day old has to be thought out. What does this mean? This, in a nutshell, means that a tiny infant can differentiate between a face that is smiling and one expressing depression and resentment. We know that if we smile at an infant, he'll smile back. And who can tell what is healthier and more conducive to growth of a ch- for a child, the food he eats or the expression of love we show him? We know that a child who lacks friendly smiles is like a plant missing sunlight. Being that the importance of the mother's role from day one, we can comprehend why it says, Shma v'ni musara v'icho. Don't leave the Torah of the mother. What then is this Torah of the mother? We see its importance. We realize it's taking place from day one. What is this Torah of the mother? Not only what is it, but where do we learn this profession? Where did we learn this this, this, this most important profession that is of such great uh, implications to the next generation? Where do we get the training to be mothers? Perhaps uh, we'll explain this. I'll explain this on a personal note. We know that if somebody wants to become a doctor, he has to study six years. If somebody wants to be a secretary, she has to do a six-month course. There's almost no profession in the world that there isn't training for that is needed. And yet we fall into, so to speak, this profession of mothering. And we see the implications, the importance. So it's clear that the Initial place which it's meant to be that we learn this profession is in our own homes. I thought this over perhaps in a clear fashion. At the time when I was sitting shiva for my father, with whom I had a very close relationship, and when someone leaves the world, one somehow gives it. Uh, uh, more intense thought than when, when, when a person's in this world. And giving over thoughts on the subject, what is it that made me love my father to such an extent? Why did I love him and honor him? But this wasn't something that I as a child created. I didn't make the situation happen. It's clearly something that the parent did, that my father had done to create such a relationship. 
and thinking it over, what is it that he did? Because this is something we can learn. I can learn. We can learn in parenting ourselves. What is this that he did that created this extreme, the soul bond, this close connection between father and child, between parent and child? And giving it thought, it was clear to me that it was one point. I knew my father loved me. This is it. This was a message that he had given me in his behavior towards me. It was 100% known to me that my father loved me. This is clearly the parent showing the child love is what creates in the child the ability to love, the ability, the, the, the reasoning behind the, the child's wanting to emulate and follow in a parent's footsteps. And this is the basic in, in Yiddishkeit, of the passing on of Yiddishkeit from one generation to the, re, to the next is based on this close connection between parent and child, because otherwise why would child want to follow in parent's footsteps? There has to be this mutual love and respect, this basic foundation of love, and this has to come from parents showing child this love. And this is a lesson that I feel that we could all learn that uh, I have for this. Uh, I my, my my mother, to whom I'm dedicating this this class. She should live two hundred and twenty, and it is this. Love shown by my parents that I feel has given me the ability to be a mother. As we said, the learning of this profession of mothering is initially meant to be in our parents' home. Because that what we are given, we have the ability to give on. The lesson we are learning when we receive love is the ability to give love. And we know that the usual is that a person brings up their children as they were brought up. This is going to be the most initial response to mothering that people will have. Now, on this note, I do want to make clear that those people who are fortunate enough to have learnt this lesson of mothering in their own homes, yeah, have their parents uh, to thank for that. But people who find themselves in the situation of being mothers, being parents, and they did not learn this in their own homes, they should know that they can do everything just right. They simply have to put their mind to learning up. Maybe what to other people comes more naturally and easier, but it can be learnt up, and they could be the most wonderful mothers and fathers and parents, uh, even if they did not learn this in their own home. The thing that they should keep in mind is what they're establishing now and how they're mothering their children, this again will be a learning ground for their children to learn to be parents, because there's no question that the initial study house for parenting, for mothering, is in our own homes. But again, those who need to learn this up and put them, yeah, yeah, their, their energies to learning this up can do so and can, yeah, and can, put, uh, can be magnificent parents and mothers to their children. Before we explain how this love is created, we'd just further like to um, explain the importance of this lesson in love which children uh, learn from their parents. The giving of love 
to a child being the lesson the child's learning in how to give love and how to ultimately even establish relationships in their own life afterwards uh, uh, that are loving relationships. We know that uh, the mother-infant bond, this connection between mother and child, the importance of this connection, in our day and age, researchers are looking to document this. They've all, they've all come up with the same conclusion. It's so important. But we knew all this long before modern-day research. In the days of the Talmud, it is told about long before pediatricians became were taking note of, uh, of the mother-infant bonding, there was a practicing physician by the name of Shmuel. And he, the Talmud describes an experiment he conducted a group of women stood in line, handing an infant one to the other. Among them was the child's mother, who was instructed to act no differently than the other women. Shmuel followed the infant's facial expressions and body movements as he was being passed around. He noticed a demonstrative response in the baby as he was held by his mother. Now, we know that this has been documented subsequently by uh, professors that said, uh, on, on parenting, on, on child uh, and child development, and it has been clearly proven that the child has a clear um, a feeling specifically to his mother, and this will be demonstrated by a child turning his head to his mother, a child could even smell his mother. Uh, in, in, in various uh, ways, this has been proven that this uh, relationship is a very innate one, a deep one, and as we know, the mother is the one who carried the child for nine months, that she then, uh, who furthermore, taking care of the child, has a very natural, uh, close connection to the child. And if we let them develop this relationship, the importance of this is for a lifetime. I heard um, this from my son, who was very close with Rav, um, Rav Chaim Zaychik, Zichron um, who was a very remarkable uh, Rav, uh, in, was one of the great teachers of Musa, he wrote many sforim, and he told uh, my son about uh, what happened to him in the time of the war. He was in Siberia and the hardships and the difficulties, unbelievable, remarkable difficulties that he went through. I mean, there was days without food that, the, that, that, that they went. He told of one time when it was uh, uh, after after Tzom, after Yom Kippur, and he only could have had a place to eat twice a week, and he missed... Uh, there was Yom Kippur in between, and he came late, and he didn't get food for three days. He didn't eat anything, and just extreme hardships and difficulties that they lived through, the Jews and the Eden in those times. And uh, he told my son the following. He said that this, the energy, the koyach, the strength that he had to face life, he said he got all this from his parents. He was particularly close with his mother for many years as a child. And after that, at the age of 14, he was... Yeah, left home. There was no more. He did not see his parents any 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 more further. This is the goings on in Europe was such, and then there was no more contact between them. But he said that all the strength he got was from his closeness to his parents, and particularly to his mother in the early years when he was a child. He remembers it, and he feels that this is what he drew on. It was this closeness that he drew on for the rest of his life. So we see that there's long-term results to this close relationship between parents and children. And um, 
we see also by the behavior of children that uh, there's natural um, behavior that children have in, for example, being fearful of separation. The attachment of the child to the mother is such that uh, there's what we call the stranger reaction, and the child will, will react with, with by crying, by showing a great uh, upset if the child is separated at certain times from, from a parent, especially as an infant. And uh, this is normal, this is natural, this is, a, this is a, a, not, not something negative. And this needs to be a recognized as a, as, a, as, a, as a healthy sign in a child. As we know that uh, in research that has been done in many institutions, it was found that where the child is, the child acts the same to anybody who says hello to it. It does can't, it doesn't relate particularly to any one person. This is not beneficial necessarily, but the fact that a child relates particularly and is very close to the mothers, as, as mothers know, the clinging baby who won't leave their side. Yeah, the exasperating feeling of being so needed that baby won't leave go. This is not a negative thing. This is a positive stage in the development of a child and the child giving the child this closeness and this security at the time when the child needs it afterwards will breed independence in the ages and in later years when, when that is the when that is the way of, uh, of the world to go. But it, it's not something that lasts forever. Children don't cling forever. And this is something that, rather than trying to force independence on a child before the child is ready, the smarter thing to do is go along with what is needed by the child um, uh, and uh, by supplying this need at the right time and place, this will ultimately uh, be um, serve for the, the forming of the, of the secure personality by the child. Now, this lesson in love that we're, we've discussed, uh, that the child learns a lesson in loving another by the love that the parent shows. In other words, what the child's learning from the love showed by the mother is the child's learning to love another. It's a lesson in loving. Um, how is this love created? As we know, the Torah commands us to love. Love is an emotion, we think. How can we be commanded to love? Yet the Torah commands us to love. We know to love another person, like we love ourselves. And we know that this is something that we, if we can be commanded to do it, obviously there's a way to attain love. The way to attain love is inherent in the word itself. The word ahava comes from the word have, to give, which means to give. And we know by giving, we create love. Giving is what creates love. Giving to another person creates love for that person. It creates love and it creates, and it creates simcha and it creates joy. Uh, there's a famous story told about a, a certain king who was uh, very unhappy. And this poor, unhappy king didn't know what to do for himself to make himself happy. They bought him jugglers and uh, musicians and food and all kinds of things, but nothing made him happy. Eventually, they decided uh, in his court that the, they were going to make him a happiness cloak. They made him this magnificent happiness cloak, and the day came for him to put it on. He was supposed to become happy. He puts it on, and nothing. He feels the same. He got so upset. He threw off the coat. He marches out of the palace. He's walking around in the woods. He comes up, hears somebody crying. He comes upon a man sitting there on a stone, crying. He asks the man, what's the matter? And the man tells him, my wife's very sick. I, uh, he's just going to die if I don't buy her the medicine. I have no money to buy her the medicine. And he's weeping. The king takes his crown off his head, 
gives a, takes a jewel off, gives it to the man and says, there you are, go and buy your wife medicine, take her on vacation, and you'll have money there, you won't have to work ever again. The man can't uh, thank him enough, he says, and he runs off uh, uh, to back home to his wife. And the king can't understand what's he wandering around the woods, he's got things to do in the palace, and he goes off straight home, he feels happy as can be. And they all ask him, what made him happy? What cured him? What did he do? And until he came out with the story of meeting this man and uh, giving to this other person. Giving to another not only creates love, but it also is something that brings joy to the giver. And that's why if we will give the right time and place to, the ch to our children with a whole heart, because there's a lot of giving that one doesn't necessarily get back for. Uh, yeah, somehow a small infant who, who needs attention and uh, all hours of the night and somehow doesn't know to say thank you at that point uh, so much. Yeah, might not even smile in response, might even cry and might be colicky and might need walking around uh, yeah, with uh, balancing on a shoulder for, for hours on end. So if we will give totally, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute of chesed, yeah? It's an absolute chesed. Give. This will create love. These loving bonds ultimately will be for forever. They're ultimately not only teaching the child to love, but they're also giving the joy and happiness to the mother because if she knows she's doing the right thing, if she knows that every time she's walking around with a crying baby over her shoulder, every minute it's not wasted. You know, the typical thing is, a lady will call up and say, oh, I did nothing all day and my, I, I feel so despondent. All I did was, was rock the baby. The baby was uh, needed me all day and I just didn't get anything done. What do you mean you didn't get anything done? Who said that things are judged by how many chocolate cakes you baked or whatever else you had to do? There's nothing more important than, than, than rocking your baby. That's it. Every second spent with a child, soothing the child, taking care of the child, if it's a, supplying the need to be loved, which is a basic need inherent in a child, all this is the utmost of doing. The dishes will get washed later. Anyone who can wash dishes, but being a mother to a child, that's really something unique. And that which is being created there is a, a relationship between mother and child, which is forever. It's a, it's a, it's a, a relationship that is created that lasts forever and is forever. And the nachas from the relationship, when there's a wonderful relationship between parents and children, even when they're, when they're grandchildren and great-grandchildren, there's nothing more wonderful than that kind of Yiddish nachas, as we'll know all the grandmothers and great-grandmothers will tell us. So rocking a crying baby is not a waste of time. If we look in Tzedal Aderech, uh, the source reads as follows, The, the lady should should uh, make the baby happy and sing to him kadela samcho yeah this is the role of a of, of the of the mother to keep the baby happy to sing to him to make to to to, to make him uh, to make him pleased so every second with a child spent with a child is worth more than we can possibly imagine towards the development of the child to become another human being a mensch another eved hashem a person who is able and capable of creating loving relationships in his life later and creating a loving family in later years in his life. So what could be more important than establishing another Jewish family in the world? So if we're looking to see is this profession that we've, yeah, that we've tumbled into as being mothers, there couldn't be 
a more worthwhile profession. There's nothing that compares to this profession in any way. As we know, there was a, a certain rabbi who was giving a talk to a group of women, and uh, they were querying him about the role of the woman and uh, um, liberated liberation and Jewish women's liberation movement and Jewish women, etc., etc. Anyway, they asked the, the, the rabbi in the end, what does your wife do? So the rabbi said, oh, my wife, why, she runs a shelter for eight children. She serves as their chauffeur. She develops their abilities in the arts. She develops them psychologically. She, she, she cooks and she bakes and she, and she gave a whole long list of very, uh, it, it may, very worthwhile things that this woman does. And they, ladies all clap their hands. What a magnificent woman. Look what she does for humankind. And then the rabbi added, by the way, those eight children are our own. You can imagine the sheepish looks on the faces. Yeah, if the children are somebody else's, somehow mankind, people are given more credibility than if the children are, are a person's own children, which is absolutely absurd. There is nothing more worthy a cause to look after somebody else's children than there is about looking after our own children. So there isn't a more worthy profession than being a mother, taking care of one's child. And we have to be very wary of the, again, the non-Jewish values around in the world that we live in, which uh, yeah, are not giving credibility to this role of mothering as it should be. From a Torah perspective, there isn't a more worthy occupation, profession for a woman than to be a mother. If a Baruch Hu grants her this gift, uh, it's it's one that she, sh yeah, that, uh, that she should realize it's a magnificent importance. Now, this a lesson of love that we described, I would like to um, share with you a certain uh, report that was done on the power of human love. It was done by a Ashley Montague. It's describes, uh, and it is describing a shocking report which was published by a certain Dr. Henry Chapin in 1915. Uh, Dr. Chapin disclosed that in a survey of 10 orphanages in the United States, with only one exception, none of the babies lived to celebrate their second birthday. In the wake of the study, a well-known American doctor visited a children's institution in Europe to compare approaches to childcare. He discovered far fewer fatalities in the European clinic. He also noticed the frequent presence of a woman who didn't seem to be part of the staff. Who's that mama, he asked half-jokingly, pointing at the big, jolly-looking woman, balancing two ba babies on her well-padded hips. Oh, that's old Anna, replied the head nurse. She's been around here for years. Whenever everything we've done for a baby has failed, we turn him over to old Anna. She's always successful. Subsequently, the doctor hired women to fill the role of old Anna in all the American institutions in which she worked, with encouraging results. The European clinic had stumbled upon what was later documented scientifically. By 1920, many pediatricians were implementing this vital lesson, instructing their staff to pick up, amuse, and cuddle the baby several times a day. It's very uh, interesting when I uh, gave uh, my book Straight from the Heart on the Torah Perspective on Mothering through Nursing, uh, when I gave it to her, Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg, to give me a haskoma on it. He was so excited, and he said to me, I've got something for you, for your book. 
and uh, he took out from a drawer an article with this exact research in. It so happened I'd already found this research and I'd put it in the book. But um, it is quite remarkable. The statistic is such that Rav Simcha Vassaman, who had also got a scoma for this material on when I'd given him the manuscript, he asked me to check this research to see is it really true only with one with only one exception, none of the babies left to celebrate their second birthday. And this really was so in the source of this research. This really was the case. It seems incredible. But if we really comprehend the importance of love uh, in a, in the life of a, of a of a baby, and this is really a, a fundamental, if we see that the basis of child-rearing, as we will shortly see, the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu laid out the way of the world, this love is, is, is so to speak, a birthright, of a child from day one. When we describe how we learn to give, perhaps uh, another story which uh, indicates this very beautifully is the story of Rav Israel Salanta. We're going on a train. It's a well-known story. A certain gentleman was very nasty to him all the way. When he got off the train, um, the man... Uh, to turn around and saw, they told him, this is Rabbi Salanta, he felt so bad. So he went to um, Rabbi Salanta to apologize to him. And the Rav, other than forgiving him, he then went about helping him. He became a sheikhet, he, he helped him. And over weeks and months, even up to a year, he was helping him. Eventually he came to say farewell to him after the Rav had found him a job as a sheikhet in another town. And he asked the Rav, he understood that he forgave him, no, he's head of the Muslim movement, and it was understandable he'd forgive him. He was, but he said, I wasn't deserving all, of all this attention. Why did the Rav give to me such a lot and do for me? Rabbi Israel Salanta sums up exactly this point. He says, at the time I forgave you, I forgave you, but I couldn't fulfill the mitzvah of loving another person. I knew that I had to give to you in order to fulfill this mitzvah towards you. And I went about giving to you. Now I give to you, now I really feel like I love you like a parent-child. You know, this uh, particular point that giving is what creates love was brought out in a very um, amazing research that was done on child battering in uh, South Africa this research was done and they uh, this is these are children who reach hospital by being battered and they did a research to see who were the batterers and in and from what type of homes the research was done cross class in other words low class middle class upper class cross class and it was found that the person who was the better was usually the mother, and it was in direct relationship to the least amounts of time spent with the child, so was a higher uh, perspective, so the graph went on the battering. In other words, exact opposite what, to what we would have imagined. We would have thought that the woman who's got the child hanging around her all day and it's nagging and it's crying, she gets irritable, she gets nervous, and she's the one who batters the child. But not so. It was the case, it was the situation of the woman who's the mother was very short amount of time in the day with the child. She hadn't been with her child the whole day. She was with that child only half an hour at the end of the day. And that, uh, that was the, 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 the ratio that it was, um, those, that was the woman who was more likely, um, to be, uh, the, the statistic showed the better. And now this is a very, uh, we can completely comprehend this statistic because it fits exactly. The more we give, the more love we create straightforward relationship. So that's why the more we put into something, the more that we're going to get out also. Uh, this is something we really have to learn, this art of giving in this egoistic I generation that we live in. Uh, this is really something that we 
that we have to learn, an art that we have to learn. Um, no better place to learn than to hear than, than for a mother. And if she feels that that climbing out of bed at two in the morning is the utmost in giving, it's, it couldn't be a greater mitzvah. She feels that this is something that's going to be with the child forever, that this is what she should be doing. If she's not feeling that this is something wrong, this is something, um, maybe I'm a bad mother that my child's waking up at night and uh, so that's why I should be training my child. The child shouldn't be waking up. The minute she's fighting with this, the harder it's going to be for her and ultimately she, she's going to be even more tired. It's a, it's a natural thing for babies to wake up at night. I think this is the most well most commonly asked question on child rearing is what to do about the, the baby waking at night. Babies do wake up at night, for some for a longer time than others. Research has shown that no one knows exactly the reason. They say it's even related to birth experiences. No one knows. It's irrelevant. This is the natural way that babies behave. So the more we understand this and recognize this and realize that this is, yeah, and use this opportunity of that we are given this unique opportunity to give at this unearthly hour that most people are sleeping in, the more we appreciate this for what it is and the less we fight with the circumstance because there's no one really here to fight with. Forcing a child and leaving children to scream for hours on end, this is not uh, a manner of mothering that uh, that is recommended from a Torah perspective. Hashem Hashemit Pua, it says, and the other midwife was called Pua. Rashi explains why was her name Pua. In the same way, as a as a as a, a, a mother talks and soothes a, a, a baby who is crying, that's why she was called poor. You say kuchi 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 to the baby. Um, we know that um, much research has been done on this. The children who are not given love. In, in infancy and were not in childhood, they they have difficulty in forming close relationships later in life. In fact, research has even shown that uh, aggression and um, uh, uh, various uh, ailments and whatever by people, when uh, this was researched, it was found that this is uh, very often related to love-starved infancy. There is no question that the basic tenant of creating uh, in our role as mothers is giving this love, which is the, the Torah Simecha, uh, that is, uh, is so important in the, in the life of the child. Um, we know that the word Rechem, the word for womb, which is a word which symbolizes a woman uh, mother, um, it comes from the same words as rachem, which means mercy. It's clearly an innate, natural inclination by a woman to be merciful, to be, to be loving, uh, to show kindness uh, to her children. Um, now, when we are saying about giving all such a lot of love, etc., etc., this does not mean that um, we are. There's no place for discipline. This has got no contradiction whatever. We're saying the first basis in mothering and the, the stepping stone, the first stone to, to establish the foundation here needs to be the love. But um, this is not a contradiction in any way to discipline. It's just a matter of time and place. We sometimes think that discipline means punishment. This is not true. It's a mistake to think so. The idea in discipline is education. Punishment is a last resort. We should always prefer positive manners of discipline 
rather than having to resort to punishment. Sometimes when the positive does not work and we have to resort to the negative, the punishment, there can be a place for that. But the principle here is in, in discipline, there is a difference of how we say no. There's no leave me alone, you horrible child, or there's no, I'm sorry, you cannot have that now. It's an educational exercise, the no's too, yeah, the disciplining too. But the, perhaps the major mistakes that are made with discipline is when it's not applied at the right age, when it's not in accordance with understanding and comprehension of the child. What we're looking to avoid is the child's want something, the child's whatever, an older child, boo-hoo, give it to me, give it to me. Okay, so then take it and keep it, stop crying. That wasn't an educational exercise. If the child couldn't understand, then, then there was nothing to, uh, to hold back. But if the child can understand and it's old enough, then it's a sad, they have to be not educating for stop, to take the sweetie and stop crying, uh, but rather respect the child's feelings. I understand that uh, you do want it now, but we've said it's going to be for later. But this has to all be done. This educational exercise would have to be done at an age when the child can comprehend the lesson. And this perhaps is one of the major places of error and mistake that parents can make is when their demands are not in accordance to the age of the child. So from when to discipline? From when the child can understand. But what does this mean? Because children start understanding various things at a very young age. There isn't an exact age yet, but the basic principle, it needs to be disciplined with gradually, slowly, and with love. There isn't an exact age. But we do know that infants do not fit into the concept of discipline at all. 